So if you're the type of person who wants to dive into the word and follow along, turn to Matthew 14, verse 22. This is probably a passage of scripture that you've never heard before. Jesus walks on the water. Um, so I was just reading this this week and I just was getting unbelievable. Do you see this? Kind of a culture of honor is this? <laughs> see ya. Thanks a lot. Okay. Now they're gone. They told me they were going to leave early, but I got to give them a hard time, right? All right. So, um, I was reading through the passage where Jesus and then Peter walk on water And there were a few things that just struck me about it. I just wanted to talk to you about it and just share. Because I thought it was just, it's such an interesting passage. This, to set up the scene, I'm going to read for a while to you. And then we'll just kind of dissect it. To set up the scene, uh, the apostles, uh, the disciples, Jesus had just fed 5,000 men. That doesn't include women and children. So probably conservatively, that number doubles. I don't know, 10,000 people probably from five loaves of bread and two little fish, fishies, fishes. Uh, The plural of fish is what I'm saying. Um, Fish, just fish. Uh, And so they they fed 10,000 people with this tiny little amount of food. One of the greatest miracles uh, the disciples had probably ever been a part of. Um, And then that's where this picks up. And it says, Immediately, this is Nazby, by the way. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. This just strikes me as so odd. They just had this amazing miracle. 10,000 people, conservatively, 10,000 people just got fed out of a little pile of food. And and Jesus' response is, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowd away. What are the disciples thinking here? Like, I'd be high-fiving, heck yeah, Jesus. Did you just see what went down? Instead, he's like, hey, guys, get in the boat. Go across to the other side. I'll meet you over there later. I'm going to send this 10,000-people crowd away. And then he says, or it says, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening. He was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. If you don't know what the fourth watch of the night is, you're probably not a Bible scholar like me. I Googled this, because that's what (laughs) Bible scholars do. And it's like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. This is basically the latest you can get in tonight before it's morning. Um, And so they stayed up all night, pretty much, rowing the boat uh, across the pond. And now the wind and the waves are crashing on them. And that's where we continue. He came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come onto the water. And he said, One word response, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and everybody began worshiping him, saying, This must be the Son of God, or God himself. And um, 
this is just such a funny idea. Jesus sends them away. He's intentionally setting up an opportunity to stretch them. He sends them away. He then goes and connects with his father. I originally wanted to talk about this big, awesome message on what it means to abide in Christ, to abide in the Holy Spirit. And I'm still going to talk about that a little bit, but you guys should know by now that I have one message, and that's bringing heaven to earth, and that's that we're already equipped to live supernatural lifestyles and change our city. That's my message. I just have 50 or 60 different ways of saying it. Um, I think this is my fifth or sixth time speaking, so you've got 55 more times of this before you'll have heard it all. Um, But the thing that strikes me about this is Jesus goes away onto this mountain to get alone. How many times have we read that through scripture? Jesus separating himself to get alone with Holy Spirit, with dad, to have some alone time. If there was one person, one biblical character throughout history that probably didn't need to have such an extensive prayer life, it was Jesus. And yet, that is one of the major pursuits of his life, is getting alone time with Papa God. Why is that? This guy was as connected as you could be with the Father. He had a booming voice from heaven and a dove descend on him. I thought I was the only one that happened to (laughs) before I read that. And this guy, he was walking in connection. He knew that he was connected. You can't get much more connected than a voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love and am well pleased in. And yet that wasn't enough for him. It wasn't enough to just have a knowledge of the connection he had with Holy Spirit. He wanted something more. He wanted to be walking in that connection. Day in, day out, an awareness of his connection, a meditation on that connection between him and his dad. So he intentionally would set aside large blocks of time. He sent the people away in the evening, and that's when the disciples went across. And then it says in the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., he spent hours up on that mountain. And I bet his prayer life looked a little different than ours does. I bet his prayer life was a lot of connection and a lot less prayerless. Uh, I'm thinking that Father probably already knows the desires of our heart. He's probably got a pretty good clue on that. And Jesus probably didn't spend too much time with his prayer list. I'm guessing that he came with one goal, and that was to connect. To connect with Father because he misses dad. He wants to walk in that connection every day. This is the guy who had the biggest outward sign of connection, a booming voice, a dove, miracles galore, and yet he still was so intentional about getting alone time with his dad. There's something deep in that. Oh, my cousin Steve's calling me. (laughs) I'll have to tell him about that. Uh, There's something really deep in that, that the, the person who was justified more than anyone from having an extensive prayer life, dove into it more than any of us. That's something that I want to unpack for a while. And even when I was thinking about this, it was convicting me in a good way. I mean, that's what conviction should be, right, Andrew? It's, it's calling you up to a level. Uh, there's no guilt, but I, I felt, man, I know I had the dove and the voice for me, but if Jesus is, is spending this type of time with his dad... 
so that he can walk in this connection, so that he can carry out this connection and his identity, what does that mean for me? And it, it is never a guilt thing. It's ne- this is not a message of, you need to spend from the evening to the fourth watch with dad, with father. That is not the message. The message is, no matter your knowledge in the connection, you can still grow in the awareness day by day of that connection, walking in the awareness. Because to me, that's what abiding is. Abiding is when we can walk outside of this church and realize that Holy Spirit is still a part of us as much as he was in here. I don't know about you, but during worship, I was feeling Holy Spirit. It's always a good day when Lou is on the drums. I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, and Andrew did good too. And, but if, if you can only feel Holy Spirit in here and you, don't, and you lose your awareness when you walk out of the doors, then there's a disconnect somewhere. Um, I work for a new home builder. And um, I dress all fancy like this. This is my version of fancy. And um, we sit in the model home over in Winter Garden, and I sell people overpriced houses. Do not tell them I said that. <laughs> that would not be good. Let's edit, let's edit that out. Uh, we'll do that later. But um, I sell people affordable, good-valued homes. We'll put that back in. Um, but... It's my job to sit there and greet people when they come in. It's a community, so there's construction going on. I sit in the model home. I have done this for the past seven years or so, a variation of that type of real estate. And um, we have this funny system set up for changing light bulbs. I'm supposed to send an email to our construction superintendent, this is very efficient, and tell him when a light bulb has gone out. Why didn't I think of that? That's, That's just so brilliant. Uh, and so he comes in, this is last week, I send him an email, I said, Mike, hey, I'm sorry, we have a light bulb out in the kitchen, it's 10 foot high ceilings, he has a telescoping thing, I could do this myself, but they want the salespeople focusing on sales, they don't want us changing light bulbs evidently, so we're supposed to reach out to our construction superintendent to do this. So he comes on by, after getting my email, he takes off his muddy boots, he walks in, grabs the thing out of the closet, the same thing I could do. He makes contact with the light bulb, gives it one tweak, and it fires back up. And uh, I went into my office, closed the door, and just looked at him. Like, I didn't know it was going to do that, Mike. I thought it was out. And this is a really good example of what it's like for us as believers. This is my example of abiding. The power source is good. The power in the home was fine. 220, 221. Whatever it takes, right? Mr. Mom quote. You guys Google that later. Um, The power was good in the house. There's no problem with the power. The light bulb was functioning. Here's a clue. We're the light bulb. But there was a disconnect, right? All it took was one tiny tweak with that telescoping thingy-majig, and all of a sudden the light bulb fires up just like it was meant to do, and it illuminates the darkness. Ooh, that sounds good. We have a disconnect sometimes. All it takes is the tiniest tweak. That's, for me, what abiding is. It's a constant awareness of where Holy Spirit is and what he is doing. 
the power behind us is good. It's sufficient. It's, in fact, dwelling inside of us right here. The power is, the power is strong with this one. And, and then we have... Star Wars, yes. All right, so, and then we have us who are fully functional believers, light bulbs. We are fully capable of bringing the light and expelling the darkness. But we have to be connected, right? There has to be that connection. So that's what I want to throw out to you today. That abiding looks very... It doesn't take much effort to abide. I mean, when you look up abiding in the dictionary, it's uh, words like sitting and resting and... um, and letting something come over you. You know, the, that's the type of description that you see for abide in the dictionary. So it's not a lot of high action words. And yet, we see Jesus being so intentional about carrying Holy Spirit and that connection around with him. And so it's not much effort and it is much effort all in the same time. And the point is, you guys get to decide what that looks like. Jesus' model of going away for six hours at a time on a mountain by himself probably isn't going to work for everybody and shouldn't. The point is connecting with Holy Spirit. If you can have a constant life of connection with him, when you're walking outside of the church, the power and the light bulb are connected and you have an awareness, always an awareness. Holy Spirit, you're walking right here with me. Holy Spirit, we're going outside the doors. Here we are, Holy Spirit. What are we going to do out here? It's that awareness and that meditation of that connection that you carry with you that creates the light that expels the darkness, right? Mm, Feels good in here. Uh, I just think it's hilarious that Jesus, uh, you know, Peter is walking on the water, sees the waves, and then it says begins to sink. What does that even look like? Begins to sink. I would have thought he just would have plopped into the ocean. Is it like quicksand and he's just going down like this? He says, Lord, save me. And then Jesus asks the most obvious question of all time. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter's probably thinking, hey, I got like a bunch of friends in the boat here who didn't get out. And they think you're a ghost. I'm on the water and I walked. What do you mean, why did I doubt? I'm a human and I'm walking on water. And Jesus is asking him, why did you doubt? Why do you think Jesus asked him that question? I think it's because we are called to live a life of extraordinary faith. He wouldn't have asked that question, and I think he was 100% sincere in that question. Why did you doubt, Peter? He had just involved them in one of the greatest miracles of their day. 10,000 people were fed through the disciples' hands. Jesus blessed the food. Disciples distributed it. They were just involved in this miracle. Now, Jesus wants to know, hey, Pete, why did you doubt? He wasn't trying to mock him. He wasn't trying to be funny. I honestly think he was trying to call the disciples up to a new level of faith. That he wasn't okay with their old level of faith anymore. He was expecting more because of the miracle they had just been a part of. Now, you get to live at this level of faith, Peter. And so I want to know, why did you doubt? This is your new level of faith. Come on up with me. We're called to live an extraordinary life of faith. Mm. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's switch over. Last scripture I'm going to do, and then we'll do a little exercise at the end here. Let's switch over to Hebrews 11. 
Verse 6, another very seldomly read scripture. One of the things that abiding does, one of the things that connecting with Holy Spirit does is it creates a higher level of faith in you. I really think it's impossible to spend time connecting with Holy Spirit and not leaving filled with more hope and faith than you had before that. I really think it's just not possible to come away with less faith if you've, uh, if you've really spent time connecting with Holy Spirit. So when we abide, a byproduct of that is faith. When we walk in an awareness of Holy Spirit, when we're intentional about connection and maintaining that connection, going after the connection might take some effort, like Jesus did. He spent intentional time where all he wanted to do was connect with his father. But then walking in that connection afterwards doesn't take that much effort. It's just an awareness. That's the tweak that we make. It's just walking in that awareness of the connection. So let's pick this up. Hebrews eleven six. I'm going to read it in the NASB for right now. And then, uh, and then I'm going to switch over to the message because I think it's really awesome. It says, this is the faith chapter, okay? Hebrews 11. Uh, and the writer here, I think I counted 26 times he says the word faith in this one chapter. One chapter, over and over and over again. It's all about faith. And then in the middle, he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. We've heard that a lot, haven't we? And I think in the past, that's been talking about guilt for us. I know when I heard that, what I instinctively thought of was guilt for myself. Uh, Oh, I don't have enough faith, I can't please God. That's kind of a big deal. Um, And it was all about what I needed to do to have more faith in order to please him. Because if I can't do enough, he's just not going to be pleased in me. Yeah, I know I'm a son of God, but man, if I don't have the faith, he's not going to be pleased. And that's how I always read this until this week when I started looking into this. It says right after that, a comma, it wasn't even a period. It's just a comma. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's one of those verses where you read it and you're like, cool, what does that mean? Because I don't know what that means. And then I just started meditating on this, and I looked it up in the message and just started meditating on this verse and asking Holy Spirit, what do you mean by this? And it says in the message, it is impossible to please God apart from faith, period. And why? So here's a good clue. When it says, and why, we are about to learn why it's impossible to please God without faith. This is a great opportunity for us to have an insight into the nature of God to realize what is it about God that requires faith for him to be pleased. I want to know what is it? What makes him tick like that? And why? Because there's two things. Anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists. Okay, so that's the first one. What does faith do? It creates an awareness of God. It creates an awareness that he's a part of your life, that he's intimately involved in your life. Of course God wants that. Of course he can't be pleased until you have that. He wants you to know him. So the first thing it does is it it creates an awareness of God in your life. That's what faith does. And the second thing faith does that makes it impossible for God not to be pleased unless this happens 
creates an awareness that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. What is that saying? That he's good. It's impossible to please God without faith because God wants you to know that he exists and that he's good. Mm, I want to meditate on that one a while. God can't be pleased until we have faith because the product of faith is an awareness that God is intimately involved in our lives. Day by day, minute by minute, second by second, he's involved in our lives. He exists. And that those who call on his name, that he's going to respond to those who seek him, that he is a good God, that if you're in relationship with him, that he will be a good God to you. So why can't we please him without faith? It's pretty clear. He wants you to know him and he wants to show you that he's good to you. If you aren't living with faith, if you aren't creating opportunities with your faith, he's going to have fewer opportunities to show his goodness to you. And that displeases him. I don't think it's a shame on you, Dave. I think it's a, ah, oh, Dave, that was a great opportunity for me to show you how good I am to you. I really would have loved to show you how good I can be in that situation, Dave. All you needed was a little tweak to that light bulb bring that faith up to the surface, and man, I could have shown you how good I would have been. All you had to do was just tweak into that faith, into that awareness. We go, and we're intentional about the connection. From there, we walk it out with an awareness of Holy Spirit. That's all it is, just a tweak in our mentality. And then we can see that he's involved and that he's good to us. Oh. Holy Spirit, show us that. Mm. I want that. It, the frustrating thing about this is it's a small, subtle change. I wish it was some big thing where I could give you a 12-step process and then we could go walk it out together. But it's such a subtle thing of having an awareness of who you are, what he's done, and that you have the capability to live the lifestyle he's calling you up to live. When he asked Peter, Where's your faith, pal? What happened? It's because he wants to show you how good he can be. If we have the faith to step outside of that boat, here comes his goodness right behind us, making us walk on top of the water. But we have to have the faith. God can do things apart from us. He can. I've seen it in my life all the time. But his preferred method is to co-labor with us. That's how he likes doing it. That's why he created us. That's why we're around, and that's why he commissioned us. Otherwise, he just would have said, sit back, take it easy, I got this, I'm going to micromanage the whole universe. <laughs> but he didn't do that. It's about co-laboring. He enjoys seeing us walk in what he's called us to be. I think that gives him ultimate pleasure to see his kids walk in faith, because when faith is around, it brings an awareness of him and his goodness into our lives. Um, for, the, for Just to wrap up, what I'd like to do is I have a little song, and we're going to practice um, having an awareness of Holy Spirit, and I've asked Cale to sing it for you all. No, I'm just kidding. Shouldn't have sat in the front, man. You knew something was going to happen, um, but I just want to play it for you, and what I'd like to do is just practice abiding, okay? I want you guys to think about this message. And I want you to just ask Holy Spirit. I don't have the answers, okay? Dave Jackson does not have the answers all the time. 
And I, I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what does this mean? We need a revelation in this. This is too simple a truth to just grab a hold on. We need a revelation from Holy Spirit to walk this out. So for the next seven minutes, it's kind of a long song. I want you to sit back and ask Holy Spirit. Connect with Holy Spirit. I'd prefer if everyone had their eyes closed because it's really about connection to Holy Spirit. If you can connect with your eyes wide open, I'll allow it. But most of, us, most of us probably need our eyes closed so that there's no looking around. No one's wondering what the other person's doing. We're all in here with one pursuit. That's Holy Spirit, connection with him, and what it means to abide on a day-by-day, minute-by-minute basis so that the light bulb is connected to the socket at all times. That's what I want. Holy Spirit, show us that. As we sit here and reflect on you and connect with you, show us, speak to every one of us what it means to abide in you.
Okay. Phil? Phil Brown? Would you mind hitting the lights for me? Thank you, sir. The three on the right. <sighs> Felt good, didn't it? Yeah. Why don't we all stand? Your mission this week, if you choose to accept it, <laughs> Mission Impossible, that thing is awesome. If you haven't seen that movie, go see it. Your mission is to connect with Holy Spirit. Whatever that looks like for you, go and connect. Find that place of connection. If you need a mountain and spend six hours, go do it. It might be just a cup of coffee. I know that does it for me. Go find that connection and then ask Holy Spirit, what does it look like to abide in this all day long to carry out that connection and an awareness? You don't have to do anything to earn the connection. It's there. You don't have to do anything to muster up the connection. It's there, just like Jesus had it. But he intentionally sought the Father so that he could walk with an awareness of it throughout the day. Let's do that. Holy Spirit, teach us how to do that. Jesus is the model. I love that. I love that everything he did, we can do. That he was the ultimate example of what normal Christianity looked like. That Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Everything about you can be found in him. Show us how to abide as Jesus did. Show us how to walk with an awareness of that connection as Jesus did. So that the light bulb is always plugged into the socket and always illuminating and expelling the darkness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.